Hello everybody and welcome to Brunvagun, you will not get there on a road bike. Final episode of the season and as a tradition I usually take these recordings directly from one of my favorite places. Yeah, here in the northwest of Italy. I'm talking about the bike cafe of actually Osteria of Bike Cafe. Amazing yeah, restaurant, I would say, cafe. Uh, here in Pinarolo where I usually spend some time of my Christmas days. I want to record it from here so that's why you can hear some voice but also because it gives a bit more of dynamism for this episode. I'm not gonna be super long because this is gonna be a special episode. I'm gonna talk about myself with my super good friend Yuan or stories of a... ah, always? Stories of a man and his bike. And uh, yeah, we are gonna actually talk together on everything related to me. So yeah, listen to it and uh, happy festivities to everybody. But also if you want to give me any feedback or anything that you have in mind, you know that you can find me on Calamaro CC on Instagram or Broomwagon Podcast on the same Instagram. People, talk later. Ride and recording. Hi, Yuan. Wow. All right, cool. Wow. This is, it's a first for me, yes. but also... Um, it might actually even be a first for you. I wonder if this is the case. Mm. So today, you and I will be talking, which isn't a first, but what will be unique is rather than you asking me questions, I'll be asking you questions so other people can learn about you. Um, and for a long time, you talk with people and you share things, but probably people can have little threads of what it is that you do. And uh, there's a lot of things that you do. There's a lot of plates that you spin. There's a lot of hats that you wear. Almost literally, there's a lot of hats that you wear. <laughs> um, and they're probably all mysteries to people. So it would be great to talk to you about, uh, about you and all the things that you do and all your contributions. Thanks a lot, actually, Yuan, by the way. of uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, thanks a lot for having me. I think it's a good thing. Thanks a lot for really dropping this uh, idea and project that actually you told me. I remember that this concept arrived a couple of months ago. Maybe it was, I remember it was summer because I was going around Zurich and you sent me this message and I was going from one tram to the other and I thought, yeah, why not? I don't know when then. So I think it was July. And then fast forward, July, December, we are here recording... A nice conversation between the two of us, and that's nice. And to answer to your question, Yuan, is it the first time? It's for sure my first time answering questions on the Broom Wagon, yes. Or in one of my, no, not in one of my podcasts. But on the Broom Wagon, yes, being at the center of the show, this is the first time. But there was actually already in a couple of uh, other podcasts. One of those was with Sogon. Uh, the former editor-in-chief of the Far Right magazine. He was doing something like a little series about people around bikes with creative aspects. And uh, he wanted to have me as the, the premiere of, uh, of his podcast. Then it's, uh, anything happened, Far Right magazine is not there anymore. No, but actually that episode was super nice. So answering to your question with a really long form, try to shorten things up. It's my first time on the broom wagon as a guest, I would say, but it's not my first time on a podcast. And uh, thanks a lot, actually, for making this happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm always, well, I guess there's two things that I really like to talk to you about. Uh, one, that you're just an easy person to speak with, but also, two, um, just a number of projects that you always have going on. And uh, one of the things that I do want to talk to you about later on as well is your projects. 
never focus on you, uh, which is actually quite interesting. Like you're in my mind, you always seem to be like in the in the middle of things, in the thick of things, and you always seem to um, um, just be part of the action. But rather than trying to focus the action on you and things that you're doing, um, you're really helpful at helping other people shine a light on what it is that they do. Um, but yeah, you're always somebody who's who's uh, very active, very involved in a lot of different things. You've got a lot of different ideas, um, and that's always one of the things that I've, I've kind of like talking talking to you about. Yeah, as no, all different ideas. Yeah, no, but it's super nice actually what you're saying. And maybe if I can. Uh, um build up a little thing on that i truly believe that the true um, i don't want to become super mystical so if i go too deep just let me know but i truly believe that actually the powerful things happen all the powerful things happen with connections i mean you will never uh, in my opinion i will never let's talk about myself i will never go a long way by myself we were talking about we were talking about tandems before uh or i mean for sure you are getting into things with collaboration a bit faster and they always see everything i use around and this could be for example uh, the bike at the center of these conversations pretty often or these connect these actually words myself that's uh, myself itself actually myself what it is uh, it's i actually see these things as a tool for connections because i truly believe that through this kind of conversation bicycle rides everything around that you can build up relationships you can build up connections and then there real things happen because the only way of doing things the only the most powerful way of making things happen is just with connection between people networking is a word but community is the right word that i could like actually to uh, to talk a bit more so for this reason you see me moving things around but for me it's not about myself for me it's not about my point of view for me it's actually for people explaining to other people what they think about and then maybe at a certain point always all, most of the time all my conversations in real life or in podcasts recorded not recorded are you know I know this guy, you should connect with him. You know I know this other person, you should connect with them. Because in this way, probably something more would, would come. And uh, that's the reason why I don't put myself in the center. I believe that actually there is a bigger and a broader way of... Uh, there is a broader world outside. And uh, we are just one or two connections away to make things happen. But it's that, that's that's a unique thing. It's that, that sense of you belonging to something and you being able to contribute, not necessarily by you projecting yourself, but by understanding and being selfless as a part of that community. That's what's different. Not a lot of people do that. So you gotta you gotta take that. You gotta at least acknowledge that. Yeah, thanks a lot. But on the um, other side, I don't want actually to say the my way is my way. No, my way is my way is the right way. No, my way is my way. So I believe that actually this is the best way of doing things. But I really actually like and appreciate also people that put themselves in the middle, in the center, and they can act like, um, how would you say, uh, not models, because model is too strong of a word, but just example for other people. Something like, look, I can do things because also you can do things. So putting yourself in the shoes of other people is possible to these people that are putting themselves in the center. 
it's not my way. That's only just not my way. I don't like actually to be in the center of a model because I make a lot of mistakes. I do a lot of things and most of the time I'm overwhelmed with stuff. So I really don't want people to take myself as an example. I prefer actually people to get the right connection with the right person that can help each other and everybody make the leap, take the leap on doing something more. Okay. Okay. Um... So let's start almost, let's start almost at the beginning. Yeah. Because uh, I would imagine people are familiar with your story. You might have spoken about it with other people on various different podcasts and stuff. But not everyone uh, necessarily will. And so you're somebody who podcasts and talks about cycle cycling, riding bikes, and is very immersed in the world of cycling. Which came first? The interest in riding bikes or podcasting? <clears throat> uh, that's a complex story because all the time I tell my story with bikes. Um, and then actually my story with bikes, I'm going to go into that. It's quite simple. I was finishing my um, master degree and uh, I mean, I was 24, 25. I was quite late anyways with my studies. Um, I was finishing my master's degree and then a friend of mine, Luigi, that we were schoolmates when we were young. So I know him now. I mean, now I'm 42. I know him for more than 20, 24 years. We are super close together. Um, he was living in Switzerland at that time, uh, actually in Lausanne. And small brackets, Luigi is also the link between me and my wife. So it was the friend of a friend, the friend in common that put us in contact. So Luigi was the engine of a lot of things and he's still the engine of a lot of things in my life. Let's put it there. But then I was finishing my master's degrees and then he came to me and said, um, so what are you doing next? They said, I don't know. I mean, it's summer. I just want to take it easy. I don't, don't let me think about next. I want to talk about summer, he told me. What are you doing for summer? I don't know. You're going to also be uh, back. We are both from uh, Calabria, from the south of Italy. We're schoolmates. Uh, you will also will come back, actually, right in Calabria, right? We're going to go do what, whatever we always done. Uh, summertime, go to the beach, enjoy our time, drink a few beers, stay with friends. That's what we are going to do. And then, I don't know, uh, end of August, I'm going to actually try to understand what I want to do with my life. But before that, he told me, what do you, I mean, what are you going to do? Do you really want to do the same things that we've done forever? Why are you asking me that, Luigi? Because I'm going out with some friends with a bike. Uh, we are going to do a little bikepacking trip. And uh, we are going to go, at that time, the idea was to go to do the Balkans, starting from Albania, arriving to Istanbul. And he told me, pitch me these ideas. We're going to start from Durazzo. I don't know how to say it in English, but actually, yes, on the coast, where usually the ferry boats arrive. We're going to start from there. We're going to go to Istanbul. It's going to be myself and a few friends of mine living in Lausanne and uh, from all over the world. And uh, yeah, I mean, why don't you join? I mean, I have a couple of reasons why I don't want to join. First of all, because... I, last time that I've ridden a bike, I was probably seven years old and now I'm 25, so 18 years later. And second thing, because I don't have a bike. These are no problems, Luigi told me, because once that you know how to ride the bike, you will know how to ride the bike, no matter what. And about the bike, you don't have one. This is going to be my present, me and my friends, actually, what, that's what he told me. Um, this is going to be my present for your graduation. So you have no excuse. If I have no excuse, let's do it. 
And this is actually something that started all the journey. Uh, one month later, uh, the day after my defense of the master thesis, uh, if it's called defense, I think so. Uh, anyways, discussion, let's say, of the master thesis. Uh, we actually the same, the day after, uh, after parting, we took the bike, we went to Decathlon to collect the last items for backpacking that I was missing. And then it was basically my first time riding a bike after 18 years. And then... One day after, we're talking about Friday party, Saturday decathlon, Sunday morning catching a train, arriving to Bari, pick up the ferry, and then Monday morning we were actually riding in the Balkans. Three weeks, a couple of episodes. Super I mean, we're talking about, I still have this bike, it's a Peugeot Champagne of the... 1979, 1978, with panniers, of course, a road bike, but assembled as a bikepacking bike. Still, uh, frame gearing, all this kind of thing. One by, I will always have one chain ring on my bikes. So, one bike, seven gears, and... Uh, it was black with flowers on top of it. I will still remember it. Now it's completely black, but that's what it was. What it was. So basically, it was this trip with this bike, with me, with sneakers, no bib, nothing really pure. Seven other people, way more technical. Half of them were German. I mean, some people were German, some French, some from uh, Switzerland. And uh, three weeks, uh, we arrived not to Durazzo, but to Greece in uh, Igumenica. It was already enough. Uh, no, sorry, two weeks. We did kind of insane 10 days of riding. We did something like 700, 800 kilometers, more or less, as I remember correctly. I mean, amazing gravel roads in the middle of nowhere, no coast at all. We only went to the mountains. I got a stomach bug, so the last three days I couldn't ride all this kind of adventure, but this was the time, and we're talking about 2007, 6, 7. Since then, everything was on the bike on my life. I came back living in Rome, and uh, I was actually, um, yes, I was actually commuting with the bike, going around with the bike, doing some uh, day trips with the bike. Then I moved, I went in the north of Italy, same thing. I went to Spain, and I got also there another bike, not the same, uh, but I got another Peugeot, Champagne as well, same bike. It was incredible, secondhand. Um, Four flowers? Yeah, sorry. Is flowers? I sorry, I didn't. I lost you. You didn't say the last. The the first bike that you had was black with flowers. Ah, this one was champagne. One was champagne color. Champagne color. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. it was exactly champagne. But it was the original color, and. Uh, and it was actually, then there I got a bike and I went around with a bike as well. Then I went back to Italy again with a the bike. Then I went to Berlin and they brought this bike and I got another bike. And this actually drove me, rode me into the community. As I was saying, now we, are, we have been talking about 15 years. 15 years, if I don't ride my bike, I think about bikes. So this was the thing. And then you ask about the podcasting. Podcasting came for sure later. We are talking about 2015, 2016. Uh, but I have to say that I have been anyway studying my bachelor degree was literature, communication. So was basically literature with some... Uh, yeah, um, exams in uh, communication. And I was studying at that time in Siena. Siena was the place in Tuscany, the place where actually Strade Bianche, Eroica take place. Super famous for cycling. But at that time, I was not thinking about cycling at all. We are talking about the beginning of 2000s. Uh, but I did actually university there. And Siena was the place where the first university radio in Italy was born. So, 
radio facoltà di frequenza. So they were streaming the first radio, university radio in Italy. Um, because of this, you end up most of the time at the radio. I had friends doing radio, I did also myself a couple of uh, um, shows on the radio, and I studied the basics of radio in terms of content, but also in terms of editing, in terms of quality, everything. And I took it, I placed it there. Then at a certain point, I was living in Berlin, we're talking about this, I was saying 15, 16, and they thought actually the potential of podcasts was huge. Not only for me, that I like to talk with people and I like to tell stories and I like to listen to stories, but also in terms of business for the company I was working at that time. So I actually placed the three things together. At that time, I was uh, blogging and writing. I was writing actually for about cycling for some important magazines and newspapers in Italy as a side project, as usual. And I loved to do interviews. So my most of the, my, I mean, I also say with a lot of proud that a tiny, a couple of years before I interviewed Bud Spencer, the movie character. I don't know if you know him. Yes. I'm not familiar with him, but... Yes, this two tall guy with beard, big guy that was actually punching with the, uh, punching the, the bad people. Super famous in Germany. Everybody knows Bud Spencer. He's an Italian guy. Carlo Pedersoli. It was also Olympionics for uh, swimming or whatever. Anyways, fast forward. Let's talk about bikes. So I was interviewing people most of the time and I was writing about them. Uh, and then actually I thought, okay, I want to keep this format and maybe listen directly to people's person and make interviews on uh, a podcast. At that time, really, podcast was not super famous and popular like it is now. And on the other side, I thought, okay, but the comp at that time I was working for Babel, the application for learning languages. And a super good friend of mine and I, Julia, uh, we were doing some... Um, She was the content manager, was marketing manager at that time, but she was doing a lot of super cool content and we were talking, exchanging ideas super often. And we thought, why don't we do a podcast in Italian for people that want to have, this can have two different, um, let's say, goals. One, to let people, Italian people listen to that and understand how cool it is to learn a language. And on the other side, speaking not so complicated, but also let people that understand Italian enough to get into the language. And then we said, yes, why don't we do it? Yeah, but I don't know so much, she told me, about editing and everything like that. I said, no worries, let's try to figure it out. We had a super nice podcast set up at the office at that time. And then I started recording podcasts and interview for myself. Uh, I put, I mean, I put myself a goal. I, gi I gave actually the, uh, the podcast a name. At that time was Spin Cake. And the story was um, basically myself getting into the unofficial world championship of fixed gear cycling that was happening in Berlin in June um, and telling the story about that and collecting informations uh, along the way from people that are into cycling. So this was actually a way to learn podcasting and then do something for Bubble. Also there, I interviewed a lot of super amazing people. Uh, you have to say from uh, uh, pro cyclists, organizers, super famous organizers of Alicats, people of the community in Berlin. It was super cool. It was super amazing as soon international and non-international. It was super easy going to, to interview these people. And I started this pink cake. And then we started also Quattro Verticale that was the official podcast in Italian for Bubble. And then 
the end, uh, the year of spin cake ended up with the race, and my race ended up on the broom wagon. And for this reason, the year after, I said, why don't we just talk about culture, community, cycling, a different way of talking about cycling. And then uh, the Broom Wagon podcast started at the end of, I mean, now I'm going to, probably this one is going to be the last episode of season number six, plus one of Spin Cake. We're talking about six, seven years ago. And uh, and it's still there. And also there, uh, the Quattro Verticale together with Julia ended up when I left Berlin, so 2018, after three seasons, amazing episodes. Uh, and she didn't continue actually doing it. And then she left Berlin as well. But now she's also a super, super famous uh, podcaster in Italy. She has a podcast about uh, graveyards, cemeteries, because she knows that in cemeteries there are a lot of super cool stories. No creepy stories, don't get me wrong. But actually people are there, um, they're telling their stories. There are a lot of things that you need to discover, go deep into that and tell the story about that. And also the architecture of the cemeteries and everything. And this was actually a passion that we had in common. Uh, we thought a lot of times that we wanted to do a magazine about cemeteries. Uh, but then at the end of the day, she started the podcast and now she's, she just published the book with a super, super uh, cool editorial uh, company in Italy. And now she's uh, also, yeah, uh, everything started from there. The, her, my Broom Wagon, her super famous podcast and really well-made podcast and way better than my things. And a book... So I'm pretty, pretty proud of what we, I mean, created in that little room 2015, a few years ago in Berlin. That's, that, the journey arc of that story is incredible. And there's two elements of the, the journey element. Possibly it's Luigi's influence, or possibly that's why the two of you are friends. But you just had the bravery to say, no, I don't know how to do this, but we'll figure it out. Absolutely. That's really, really cool. And then to have, because that's like the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, right? Absolutely. And um, for most people, that first step, for everybody, that first step is the hardest thing to ever do. And here it is, you saying, don't know how to do podcasting. I did a little radio station back in the day. Like you can kind of see how that trajectory, talking about the various different places you that you were living, and what was influential about those different places. It's 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 um, it kind of clicks into place as to why you've ended up where it is that you are today. But at the time, when you were waking up and you were in Siena, you weren't thinking, "What's the trajectory? How does this make sense for me?" you were kind of thinking, well, what do I do and how do I do it? And how do we explore this area? But to have answered all those questions and to kind of move through it very organically, and then the end result being, you're very happy with what you're doing. You're very happy with a, with a broom wagon podcast. You've, you've been around the world. You've spoken to loads and loads of different people. And then the success of your friend as well, where both of you, the first question that the both of you had was, how do we do this? And here you are, here's the end result. Um, that's actually a really, really cool thing. Um, and so there's two questions then out of that, but as it is, I mean, I had a list of questions, you know that already. Uh, I think we can just forget about those questions. Um, so Luigi, like, have you ever interviewed him? That's an amazing question. No, never, 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 never. And even if I should have ads, because... 
last year, two years ago, two years ago. Uh, I should have had thinking about that because, I mean, Luigi's family situation is a bit complex because he has a kid, Lorenzo, and uh, with his girlfriend at the time. But at a certain point, his girlfriend, I mean, they split because things in life just happen. And she moved to uh, the Netherlands, Leiden, to be precise. And uh, basically, Luigi, every time that he wants to see Lorenzo, has to fly over and you can imagine how complex it was also in times of uh, uh, pandemic and everything like that but every month basically even I mean a bit more often a bit less often but usually I would say uh, every month he picks up um, I mean he flies uh, to the Netherlands goes stays with him a long weekend something like from Friday to Monday or stuff like this and then he comes back and especially in the period of pandemic, and he does it, I mean, as I was saying, pretty often, uh, especially in period of pandemic was a bit more complex uh, doing it. And then he had something like um, a bit of holidays for his work and uh, for his job. And then I think it was 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he actually picked up his bike and he started from Lausanne and he arrived to Leiden in four, five, six days to go there to his kid. Instead of flying there, he went with a bike. And he told all his journey with, I mean, all the tools that are now. He said his journey actually in the, um, on Instagram, Komoot, everything like there. And I would say that actually, I mean, this was a huge inspiration because even when things get tough, you always, and he did it. He always does it, finds a way to pivot and move forward. And this was exactly put his passion because he's also super passionate about bicycles. He loves traveling and we always talk about that. This is a topic that is always um, always there with us. We always talk about that as soon as we spend a bit of time together. That for him, actually the bicycle, we all know that, is the perfect way of traveling because it's not it's fast enough to, uh, to arrive to places but it's slow enough to enjoy places. And uh, he did it. I mean, he really did it by himself. It was super tough for him. He never done by himself seven, eight days of traveling. But then actually he told me quite vividly about the emotions that he got while he arrived to see his kid and his kid, Lorenzo, saw his father arriving there to spend another week together with the bike and gave also to his kid the example on one side but also motivation to ride more bikes and that's amazing i have to say that i was quite humbled and honored to start with him uh the first the first day of traveling so the night before his trip i helped him i mean i helped him i supported him quite a lot on all the communication and everything related to that but but i mean i think that nobody knows about that but that's not the point uh but the point was actually that i uh, went to his place he lives in lausanne so it's basically a couple of hours with the train from here i went at his place the night before i supported him teasing him quite a lot about his super heavy bike that he was going and all the gears that he actually was going to bring to the netherlands for just one week trip but i mean it, i didn't convince him he went there with uh, three frame bags and two panniers in the front of no two in front and two in the back in total it was something like six or seven back, uh, boxes uh, bags so i was teasing him quite a lot uh, but the day after we woke up we picked up our bikes and we did the first 100 kilometers until the the border with germany i couldn't make so much more because at that time a lot of things were happening as usual in my life but still being with him in the first day chatting a bit being quiet for another bit but be there be there with him was uh was a lot and uh yeah maybe i should have 
have interviewed him uh, that time, but probably it's going to happen next time quite soon because a lot of adventure are going to happen for sure. Well, what's, what seems to be pretty remarkable about him is like much the same thing as you guys started in the podcast and, and there was a problem that was presented and you found an uh, you found a solution to it, but it seems much more simple for Luigi. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't want to go um, back when you finished your master's and you're kind of maybe using, oh, I don't have a bike as an excuse, but just your explanation of it. Well, that's okay because we've bought you a bike. He just, he seems to, for most people, let's go on a, sorry, how many days did you say that first bikepacking was? I would was say between one week and 10 days. I will never remember everything. And actually we have no documentation. We're talking about 2007, 2008. So there's no Strava, nothing. So <laughs> I cannot give you a precise answer. Okay. So it was, it was a multi-day bikepack. We can, we, can, we can legitimately say that. Absolutely. Multi-day bikepack. And um, yeah, so you didn't have a bike at the time and you didn't have experience of a multi-day bike pack and those two things and you hadn't, you hadn't ridden a bike as you said since, since the age of seven. Those are pretty daunting things to, to put towards somebody and uh, it will be very easy for somebody to say, no, I just, I don't want to do that. But the way that you explained it was he saw what you saw as being a problem, but it wasn't a problem for him. Um, and he sounds like he's a very practical guy, but I would imagine not like, the, you know, that, that story in and of itself, having found a solution, a very simple solution to a big problem, it sounds as though he probably kind of does that quite a bit. And probably without even talking about bikes, I would imagine he's just got really great stories around. You could ask him, how did you, uh, you this is a problem. How did you get around it? And without actually ever knowing him or seeing him or or having heard him speak, there's a part of me that kind of thinks that his response was, would be for somebody to say, that seemed like it was a problem. How did you get around it? His response would be, it wasn't a problem. This is just the option. It just, he, you Absolutely. know, it just kind of seems to be somebody who's very practical and pragmatic and able to move through things almost easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, then sharing those stories would be uh, uh, for other people. Oh, I never would have thought of that. How do you how do you go do a multi day bike pack without having a bike? Well, your friends just buy you a bike. Easy, right? Absolutely falls into yeah, place. You have no more excuses. Yeah, <clears throat> but he he does sound like a very interesting guy, and it'd be very interesting to see how much of the dynamic plays out between the two of you. Because um, both of you are problem solvers, um, so what uh, you know, in the same question, the same breath. What came first, podcasting or or cycling? What came first with your friendship? Like, was he the one who came along solving all the problems? Was that what made the two of you friends? Is that there weren't really obstacles and barriers? Uh, be that would be a really interesting conversation. Would be to kind of explore that friendship over twenty odd years. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's something that probably we can explore a bit more. And I truly believe that at a certain point things happen just because they need to happen, for sure. But things happen yeah. in the right way just because you have the beginning of the conversation, right? If you have the right people around you, or you can, if you can find somebody to uh, facilitate these kind of things, then things just happen. I don't think that Luigi was thinking about uh, dropping me on the bike would have made... For sure, that trip made me the person that I am now, 100%. 
there would be yeah. a lot of things who would not be there without myself jumping on a bike, like my uh, wheel of exploring, my need of going from country to country and exploring new things and live other life and live other lives and uh, meet new people, whatever. I truly believe that this was a pivotal point of uh, what I am now. But Luigi probably was want to just to spend some days with me like we usually were doing in, uh, back in the days, instead of doing on the beach, uh, doing it actually on a bike. And uh, he loves actually to involve people also in the thing that he does and probably just so the possibility of doing it. Mm -hmm. I, think it'd be, I think it'd be really cool. So the other thing that I'd wanted to ask you about, so the Broom Wagon as, as a podcast, like the title for it, that makes sense. And it's quite funny and, it, and probably it, it, it sticks in everyone's mind because... Interestingly, nobody wants to get collected by the broom wagon. Nobody ever wants to see the broom wagon on a ride. But then to be a part of the broom wagon podcast is, is um, there's a little sense of humor in the whole thing that it's quite fun. Interestingly, people probably do want to be a part of the broom wagon podcast. But before it was called the broom wagon podcast, it was called, sorry, the I spin can't cake. The, the spin cake. Spin cake. Spin. Where does that come spin. from? Yeah, I, yes, spin cake comes from actually the intro sentence that I was saying all the time. The spin cake was actually a compression of spins just for cakes, so basically cake rides. And the sentence that I was saying all the time was um, from short spins and uh, from short spins and cakes. To the Fixed 42 World Championship. I wanted to show the classic path from zero to hero. Until then, my only way of riding the bike was actually going around the city, meeting friends, going out for some beers, or just the classic weekend warrior kind of rides. That, I have to be completely sincere, in Berlin is quite easy. Is everything flat? Even if you are not going too fast, you can cover a lot of miles just in a few hours. So it was not three. It was just something to do it with friends and uh, having fun. But then I wanted to put some competitive, competitiveness into my cycling. If I have to go a tiny bit deep into that, I will tell you two little stories about being competitive and also about the broom wagon. I will be brief, I swear. First of all, it never worked. I will never be a competitive person. I cannot really do it. And for this reason, actually, it never clicked. That's why actually the broom wagon became the broom wagon where we only talk. We don't talk so much, actually. From time to time, we do, we do but we don't talk about victories or uh, being first in something or being being world championship i actually discussed with and had conversation with super super competitive in terms of victorious and winning people um in my podcast i mean i interviewed um i don't know something like people that uh got actually the the world hour record uh pro cyclists uh people that are winning sofian for example many of the races that we all love, the ultra endurance races. I have some episodes that are happening pretty often with Joshi, but one, just to mention one, the transcontinental race. So I talk with competitive, everything, everything. just to mention one, the transcontinental race 10 years ago. Super amazing guy, by the way. Um, that's why we do a lot of things together. But we never talk about winning. We never talk about victories. We talk about stories. I remember the stories of Sofian during his uh, first one in the trans. Uh, sorry, in the Silk Road Mountain Race, and there we were talking about the fact that people in Kyrgyzstan from time to time transport meat, just raw meat, into a car for hundreds of kilometers an hour in the car. We were discussing about that. You know, these are the stories. 
It's a little story. I will actually make just a little pun here. You listen to the episode on uh, Sofianov a couple of years ago. He put some interesting stories on when he broke his um, a couple of spokes of the um, uh, of his wheel, and he was thinking, okay, it's over. Then he went, fixed it by himself, the spokes went back where he left the bike, and then he won the race. So, but and we do, we're discussing exactly about that transporting meat into a car. That's another story. But so. I was not competitive. I put stuff there, uh, but usually we are not talking about competition, even if I talk about watts and uh, training and everything. The other cool little thing there, you know why I ended up into the broom wagon on the Fixed 42 World Championship? I mean, I was laying I mean, I mean, was laying in the back and they saw actually the guys of the organization telling me, look, Stefan, I think you can do it, uh, but there is the possibility that you need to finish without the number because you are not, you are really, uh, I think that actually there the pace that you have to keep, it was 35 kilometers an hour. So basically you had to finish in one hour and 10 minutes the full race. If you were taking too much time, actually you wouldn't take it out. There was this cut time. Um, and the guys of the organization, while I was riding at my 37 probably kilometers per hour, they told me, look, you're going to be really tight. So you have a couple of options. If you want, actually, if we want to be quiet and nobody to bother you, we can cut your number. And so you can finish at your pace. You're not going to be in the classification. Um, but, I mean, you're going to finish the race and you're going to actually be happy of what to achieved. Or you can just jump on the broom wagon because in this way we can keep on our stuff. You can jump on the broom wagon and, um, I mean, your race is going to be over. And I remember quite clearly that a super famous brand of alcohol-free beer at the time was sponsoring the event. This meant that you could have at the finish line only alcohol-free beer. And the guy actually of the car of the organization used the right word. And he told me, and actually the Broomwagon is the only place where you can have a regular beer instead of an alcohol-free beer. And then I said, get me there. Where's the Broomwagon? I want to get there. And then, I mean, it's super funny now thinking what I'm doing in life. But actually I said, no way that I'm going to drink an alcohol-free beer at the end of my race. It was 10 years ago. <laughs> Uh, drop me in the broom wagon. I went to the broom wagon. I got a couple of super, I mean, of alcoholic beers that I would say now that are not the best. I'm not going to mention the brand. Or probably I will. Bex beer. And uh, I got a couple of Bex beer there that is not my cup of tea, or better, it's not my glass of beer. And uh, I was sitting there and I was listening to the stories of everybody who was on the broom wagon. And then there, the idea of doing the broom wagon podcast started listening to the stories of people into the Broomwagon podcast, people talking about special gloves because they had an injury. So there was this guy that he was using only baseball gloves because they were the safest on a race like that. I mean, Fixed 42 World Championship means super fast with no brakes on Fixed Gear. So baseball gloves. Or other people telling me about techniques uh, on not how to have any flat and blah, 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 but still having three flats and force to abandon. All these kind of things, all these stories there, and also people, uh, crew that actually were um, doing training for women or people that were starting just for the first time they fixed it for the World Championship. All these stories stick to my mind, and I said, okay, the Broomwood World Podcast. So everything started for an alcoholic beer. <laughs> um, so that's, that's, the, that's the start of the Broomwagon Podcast, but in... In that answer as well, like you've talked about you being involved in races, organized races, um, but Arcade at the time, there's no doubt about that, but 
kind of seemed contained as well. And then you talked about uh, Sofian, which is off in the middle of nowhere, and you just don't know what to expect. You don't expect somebody to be driving by with raw meat in their car for hours. Um, and now podcasting, that you've been doing it for hour, for for years, and your approach to it, which is just collecting and sharing stories, you've been around the world doing this, and you've you've attached yourself to various different events, um, and you've spoken to tons and tons of people. In and of itself, because when you did the Silk Road Mountain Race and when you did the Atlas Mountain Race, you were part of the media crew who were dot watching as well. The difference between you as a dot watcher and everyone else as a dot watcher was you were supposed to be going out to meet those dots wherever it was that they were. And hopefully they had just finished a really hideous climb or they just did, they just rolled past an incredible landscape. You had strategic points where you kind of wanted to meet them and try and catch riders um, so that you could talk to them about their experience, whether it was they had the answer and the solution to not getting punctures, but they still had three punctures. <laughs> That's a really funny story. Um, but in all of all of that, like that's in and of itself to try and be at the right place at the right time with in some of these landscapes and everything. That's a very difficult thing to do. And I, I do remember you talking about like you just didn't sleep during those races too before. Yes. So you're not riding, but you're still without a shadow of a doubt you're still a part of the race you still make you can probably make people's days they're part of the broomwagon podcast they get to talk to you they get to share some of their stories so you're part of a rider's experience and people the, the riders for the races part of their memory is having spoken with you part of the part of the memory of that race and that experience overall is that they've spoken with you but you take away stuff too you you're 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 a race participant too and in all these races and all these things you've done around the world, like what's what's when you think about some of these rides, some of these races, what stands out to you? What's like what's your go-to story? So you're you're at dinner with some friends and it's the time to come around and you have to tell a story. What's what's your dinner party story around these races? I don't know. They are really there are so many, so many things that happen that I mean I will start with the last one that I said. I will put it in this way. Uh, I tried to educate my son, Camillo, to cycling and exploring in those days. So, um, I'm basically before last, I mean, last story before him to go to bed usually is that we go in his room and I tell him a story, I read a story, blah, blah. But before, I... I mean, it's something that I was struggling doing it because I don't like actually place my son in front of screens. But now I'm doing it at least because I have this excuse. So a couple of days ago, it was something like Saturday or Sunday, I was actually showing him the documentary of Bradley Lawrence. Uh, I don't remember the name. From the Atlas Monterey's. The Rift is called. The Rift, I think. Or whatever. Um, I was showing it to Camilo. And um, no, one step before. So uh, this came after. Uh, I was showing him another video the night before, and it's this um, movie from this film from uh, Bradley Lawrence, is still the director. Um, the idea comes from an adventure of R.J. 
uh, sour is called. It was also at the um, Atlas Monterey's uh, the same year as you or 2020. Uh, and it's actually in this film that is also on the YouTube. I don't remember the name of it. It's actually a story about uh, RJ taking part to a bikepacking event. I think it's in Arizona anyways, in, uh, in the US, with his son, Ollie. Basically, he has a little, how do you call it, uh, trolley uh, attached to his bike and it takes part to this 300 miles race 24 hours that he has to cover in 24 hours. And I was showing this to Camillo, uh, my son, uh, and he was watching it. Of course, he was, he's two years old. I don't know how much he understands about that. I have to be completely sincere. I just let him see these things because then he can absorb uh, something. But I think that he's never going to remember anything about that. But he was there super excited saying... Um, uh, bike or uh, um, I don't know kid or whatever all these kind of things and then when the episode finished uh, we went actually so the film finished we went actually to bed and I was telling him the story that I saw during the Atlas Monte race of 2020 of RJ the story of RJ that at a certain point I remember I mean uh, Atlas Monte race 2020 was a premiere was the first edition um, I remember that we were three different cars at a certain point. I mean, usually you have three cars, right? Uh, the one that is following the front, one that is usually the one of the organizers, uh, organizer, Nelson, that goes where you need him. And then you have the third one that is usually people with a podcast uh, because you need to collect the stories from the mid-pack. In front, nobody talks to you. In the mid-pack and in the back, usually um, you can collect more of the stories. So basically the thing that happened that we were uh, all around, so you never got to meet the people of the first car. Check. I mean, it's control car number one. Never. At a certain point, I remember that we were driving. It was something like three, four days in. And, and we saw another car coming through us. It was in the middle of nowhere. And they, we saw that actually was control car one. And a lot of people just came out for the car, from the car, and it was something like meeting them since ages. It has been only three days, but we lived so many stories there. And everybody of us came out. We hugs and parties and get this and get your drink. And what do you collect? What story did you get? It was amazing, amazing. And I have to say that actually that uh, Atlas Monterey's media-wise was really a dream team. A lot of super amazing people were there. Bradley was there and it's everything set. And then Leanne, the official photographer, told me, Stefano, there is a guy here. It's one kilometer, two kilometers from here. Uh, he, you need to talk with him. He broke his chain. He broke his cassette. He has still 100 kilometers to get to the CP2, CP3, and is walking and cruising when you don't need to pedal. He wants to arrive to CP3. Uh, he called already somebody in Marrakesh to bring him some spare parts, fix his bike, and start again and finish the race. I don't know if he's going to do it, but for sure he has a nice story. Then I said to Theo, who was actually driving the car, Theo, we have to go there. We arrived there. Uh, it was in my car, Theo. It's uh, another guy, actually, with the organization. We arrived there. I talked with RJ. He looked really cool, really relaxed. And that's the story, actually, that I went telling to, to Camillo. This guy was really cool, really relaxed. He showed me how his bike was broken. It was, I mean, all the um, group set, all the drivetrain was completely broken. And he was telling me, I was even just trying to pedal, but then everything fell apart. So now I can just cruise and walk. I still would have 100 kilometers a full day until the, um, uh, the time cut there. Uh, I will try to make it. I already contacted people, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I want to finish. Okay. Are you sure? Yes, because I have this dog 
keeping me company. I have this dog with me since this morning and it's following me, it's cheering me and giving me food and that's why I don't feel lonely on arriving to CP3. Basically, also there we finish. I recorded my episode. It's still online, I hope. Uh, I arrived to CP3. I waited there for a bit. The day after, when I was leaving, I saw RJ arriving. He was completely hammered, completely destroyed. But as soon as I saw him, I just jumped at him. I hugged him. I said, look, man, that's amazing. You arrived here. Is everything set up? The parts are here. You're going to make it happen. That's amazing. And then he said, yeah nothing else. Then we had to leave. We arrive at the final. Um, I mean, uh, we arrive actually at the finish line. And then also there, one day later, I remember that I interviewed him because he arrived with a fixed bike. He was super relaxed at that time. And we record also a super long interview that is in the official podcast of the Latlas Monterey's with him accomplishing into the time cut well ahead of the time cut, despite having a super crazy problem with the bike. And that's a story that I usually, I mean, I usually tell. But there are thousands, man, there are thousands of, uh, I still remember the time that actually we met. And then I was actually arriving on, we were there at the, I don't know, Atlas Gorgeous or whatever, in this amazing place. And on top of a super difficult place, there was Michael Drummond. And mm-hmm. he, I think he actually got, I don't know how many puncture, he was completely fucked up with his bike and blah, blah, blah. And then I asked him a question, something like, uh, rate your ride until now from one to seven. And I mean, I talked with Michael not more than two weeks ago because we did a job together for a photo shooting or whatever. And every time that we talk, he still remembers this, rate your ride from one to seven. And that's another thing that I always all the time say, because I mean, people there... There are so, people there, you know it better than everybody. People in this kind of races, they're really open to tell stories, to talk with people and everything. You just need to chip in. And the, stories, the story comes by itself because it's full of stories, this kind of event. So that's why I say I'm only the tool. I'm just the only per- I can even say just place the microphone and say hi, and the story will come. There was also another guy, I'm not going to name actually, uh, honestly, him, and I'm not going to go too deep into this conversation because it's quite private, but we were at the end of the Silk Road Monterey's 2019. He was doing the last bit and piece of his, um, it was actually a super brutal hike bike uh, before the end of the race. He said, we were really hiking on top of this hill and he still had something like two or three miles before to arrive uh, to the end of this hike bike and then go down. And he said, Stefano, can you walk a bit with me? I said, yes, of course. Leave the microphone here. And he talked to me, telling me so many intimate and uh, private stories. He just needed somebody to be there to talk to. Because he was, I mean, you know it, right? While you are in this kind of adventure, you go through a lot of up and downs. And there he was really on the downside of this up and down. Motivated to finish, really happy of what he was doing. He was telling me anyways, he was super happy by saying, I've never seen anything like this, where a ride usually there's not so beautiful. And I'm super happy to be here. Super strong guy, by the way. But I want to tell you something about that what happened. That happened to me before coming here. And also this is the reason why I'm doing it. And he told me these things and I felt again, honored and humbled on being there, just listening to a story that that guy just wanted to tell me. Nothing more, nothing less. He didn't want to, uh, to have any opinion from me or any comment. People don't need comments. People just need to tell stories. And I was there for him. And that's another amazing story. And super, super humble to, be, to have been there. 
at that time. Just being able to listen, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, as I was saying, there are so many. I mean, there are so many. If uh, I could continue here forever, but people probably don't want to listen to my stories forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was going to ask you, because community is such a big thing for you, and that's very clear. It's very clear because you keep saying it. <laughs> and your actions as well speak louder than words too. You, you're very involved in the community. But um, with those stories too, and having shown your son the videos and encouraging him, and then um, RJ taking his son off for three or four days to go into uh, uh, several days bike ride. Do you think you might? I will. I mean, I would love to. I will. I don't know if I can. I mean, my I need to take a break on a lot of things in my life. But that's something that I would love to do. We are starting with baby steps, of course. Camilo is just to, uh, doing it just to uh, let him love the time outdoor. It doesn't need to be on the bike. That's another thing that we have to mm -hmm. say. Uh, you can also go out for a hike for a few hours. And uh, doesn't need to be on a bike. Doesn't need to be long. But just not needs to, um, in my opinion, uh, the example that I can give to my son is being outdoor and explore whatever, even if it's at the you're at your backyard, something that is new for you, something that you can care of, and something that you will never see if you're staying at home. Nothing wrong with staying at home. Don't get me wrong, but for sure things happen outside and nature is different than natural is different than man-made man-made sorry um because just there you can really understand and get contact what's what's happening around it's not a macho thing you need to take care of yourself you get you need to do everything yourself you know it's not that it's just how much you are connecting with nature and with what you are just by being outside and exploring something new a little a little bit every day because when you are outside things that you are not planning happen and then you can understand um embracing the unexpected and uh, doing it in front of amazing landscapes and uh, yeah amazing nature it's a nice place to be i would say so i hope i can do it anyways i have everything ready finally also my daddy bike arrived and it's assembled and it's good uh, I just need to plug the, um, how do you call it, um, uh, the trailer on it to place Camillo in. I have anyways a cargo bike and we enjoy a lot of uh, adventure. I mean, I am also super lucky. I live in Switzerland and I live in Zurich. Um, I would say that from door to the woods at the moment with a cargo bike, I am three minutes away. So we usually load his little bike that was a present for his second birthday. It's a gravel bike, of course, with the um, flat bar. Uh, I put actually his gravel bike, let's say his bike uh, on a um, balance bike uh, into the, um, uh, the cargo bike. He sits on that. We go out into the woods and then he rides his bike or I follow him with my cargo bike or I just run. Uh, together with him then we stop we see the cows we see uh, the ships we see how just we go to the lake or everything and we enjoy the nature and uh, we breathe some fresh air and that's already enough as soon as it's gonna be a tiny bit older i can't wait actually i am already talking with uh, um, some friends and everything to start also doing some camping and everything 
but I don't know if I'm going to do anything, of course, competitive, but for sure exploring the outdoors together with my son, together with Camilo, is going to be one of the things. And uh, yeah, maybe it's going to teach me a lot of things also because I'm not the biggest camper or explorer in the world. But doing things with him, we're going to both learn something with no fear at the end of the day. Awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. That's really, yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Right. Um, I am going to ask you now about community. Yeah. Because um, you have plugged yourself very well into the community. You're able to share stories of community and cycling. A lot of your stories, though, for the broom wagon would be, even though you're not competitive, would still be about cycling and sport. Mm. Um, but there is also a very interesting project that you're a part of, which is not cycling and sport, but still cycling which is your project in Berlin. Um, Bikey geese you're talking about, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, sorry, bikey geese. I just learned how to do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, bikey geese. Because it's a, uh, let's say, uh, there are two words. I do say crosses, I think, uh, between bikes and refugees. Bikey geese. Oh, uh, it's portmanteau. Right. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I hadn't realized that. Okay. Yeah. Which... I hope piques people's ears to even understand that explanation. So biking and refugees. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I have to say that I got to know about them, about bikeages. Uh I don't remember if I was still in Berlin. I was already here. But basically also there, another amazing person that I met through my trips uh, for bikepacking events, uh, uh, Rafael. R cycling Rafa on the Instagram, uh, Rafael Albrecht. This guy, I met him in his first bikepacking experience. And anyways, it was probably the most difficult in the world. Uh, so I'm talking about Silk Road Monterey 2019. I met him in the middle of nowhere and also their little story. And then I'm going to go a tiny bit into bikeages. Um, bikeages, sorry. So basically it was in the middle of nowhere, close to the, um, how is it called? The Soviet old Soviet road, super infamous hiker bike. Uh, super infamous. Um, but anyways, I saw uh, we were going with the car super close to the checkpoint and uh, I was listening to a voice. Then I saw a guy. Then I arrived close to him because I want to talk with him. And not only I wanted to know how he was doing because he was actually hiking. And I saw that actually was not working super well. We went close. I didn't even take, I think, my, uh, my recorder, my microphone with me. And I, and I heard that he was listening to my podcast. So basically the voice that he was listening while walking, it was my voice. And then I said, what the hell, man? What, 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 why are you listening to my voice in this way? Yeah, yeah, because actually I love to listen to podcasts while I am doing difficult things. And, and I basically broke two pairs of headphones or of earplugs. So now I'm listening to that just freely on speaker and then i said oh man that's crazy and then he told me the story that also was hurting because his achilles was uh, was hurting and he was thinking about scratching and blah blah uh, but basically everything ended up and i don't know if actually four years later i can say that but actually i gave him my headphones because otherwise maybe in another situation he could not listen i said okay man if this is something that helps you take mine but shush otherwise you can be disqualified and they can kick me out 
cycling Rafa. I mean, he was there. And now he's actually organizing a super cool thing that, I mean, several cool things, but everything started with the Orbit 360. Um, and actually, this is something like, also this started during pandemics. He has a lot of uh, different trucks around Germany started. Now they are around Europe. And then depending on what challenges you are taking, whatever you're collecting points. And it's kind of an ultra endurance event, but you can do solo and you can do whatever you want during summer. And a parallel from that, actually, the second, when he did another thing was called, uh, still in this kind of orbit, I would say, was called um, Ride for a Reason. Ride far. And he, this happens, I think, in autumn every year. And basically, you collect, basically, as many kilometers you do, as much money uh, you are donating to some uh, association, to some charities. And the first uh, charity he talked with and he supported for, with this kind of event was Bike EGs. I remember that he was telling me, what do you think about this concept, blah, blah, blah. I got to know about that. And then I said, wow, that's amazing. And then since then, I actually started supporting Bike EGs as well. I, funny story, after three or four years supporting them, it was the first time that I talked with them just a few, a couple of months ago. And this is the episode that went live more or less one month ago, uh, because I actually made this project uh, where in collaboration with Laser as well, the helmet company, basically they gave me a helmet, I gave it to an artist, Alice Summers, and actually is the artist that actually also makes uh, some drawing on me, let's say. She is uh, my favorite tattoo artist. And uh, she made this amazing helmet and unique. And uh, she painted it. And then the way, and then I raffled it. Basically, I put it in a, in a giveaway. And the way to win it was to uh, support by Kijis. Uh, so whatever you donate, you actually enter the raffle by donating to uh, Baikiji's. And before, actually, this was the last thing. And actually, as I was saying, I recorded three episodes, one with the, art the artist, one with Laser, so with Alice, one with Laser, and one with Baikiji's. So if you want to know more about Baikiji's, that's a good starting point. And uh, I was actually also donating to them a few years uh, back, a uh, few years in a row, um, because I actually created this thing that is the, the COVID jar. 2020, 2021, even 2022, everybody was talking about COVID. You know it really well, right? We were talking about that in our conversations on the Instagram. Everybody was talking about COVID and it was a bit boring listening to po interview podcasts only talking about, are you doing? Yes, I'm stuck at on this COVID, blah, blah, blah. But of course, it was boring to listen. But from time to time, you need to use the topic of COVID to put things into context. And contest, context, right? I always make a mess between contest and context. And uh, so in this way, actually, I didn't want to stop people talking about COVID, but I was bored talking about boring um, COVID. So I didn't want all episodes being centered in COVID, but only being used for putting things in a contest. So every time that myself or uh, my guests were talking about COVID or mentioning the word COVID, I would drop a coin into my COVID jar. And the COVID jar, the last couple of years, actually, the, the collection that I got went to buy KGs. So, yeah, that's something that I can do. Maybe a few words on uh, buy KGs is that uh, bicycle and refugees. So, basically, they are teaching women refugees in Berlin to ride a bike. Because, I mean, a bicycle can unlock your experience with... Uh, the world, of course, but with the city, just simple things like 
groceries or just exploring the city or just going to meet friends are easier on a bike and they believe that actually they can do something with that and also on the other side it's also a cultural thing many of these refugees are coming from regimes where they cannot ride a bike because they are women so this is also another super powerful thing they are really empowering women to live a freer life by riding a bike i have to say that actually the giveaway um i was expecting collecting more money but i can also understand that now people are overwhelmed by donations and stuff but still it was in my opinion not only about money uh itself to donate to a cause that is extremely important but it's also creating uh knowledge uh giving a ray of light of something that people are doing for me would have been enough i would say to just have the bikeigis people be on the podcast being interviewed because in this way more people would let uh would understand and would let themselves know of what's going on there uh but still i mean uh they are living out of the donations so if people you are there i would say probably down in the description below you're gonna find uh a link where you can still donate directly to them and for me it's already i don't need actually to populate my giveaway uh i just need to give support to community uh, communities and community projects that help people uh, get a better life of course here bicycle is involved in not uh, it's not only about bikes, but this is a good thing because it actually connects everything. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's a, as, a, as a project and the two, the two directions and angles that you spoke about, giving people mobility, giving people access to whatever it is that they need in, in their daily life and trying to make their life, their daily lives a little bit easier. And refugees may or may not have access to money. So even even things like what it costs to go on public transport might be a prohibition to them. Absolutely. So being able to, to ride a bike does represent freedom. But then, as you said as well, having come from someplace where clearly, if you're a refugee, your memory of where it is that you've come from, you might you probably do have good memories, but there's a reason you've left. Um, and that idea of them being able to break free and being taught how to ride a bike and riding bikes together and riding bikes with your friends. Um, and that ability to just, what, what do I need to do today? How do I get there? I can take myself there. I don't need public transportation or I don't need somebody else to, to bring me there. I can, I can, I can take myself there. That's a wonderful thing. And then, uh, the other side of things, that's even just your story there. Um, what was it two or three weeks ago now in ireland in dublin there were the riots around immigration and immigrants and, and things um and there's just so much misunderstanding around where people are coming from and why they're coming to a new place and uh, what it means for them and everything and just being able to share the stories and, and being able to say these people are refugees they've had huge amounts of restrictions in their lives previously they've had huge upheavals in their lives and things like this as a donation as a charity that's what keeps them going that's what supports them um it might help somebody else understand that uh, life isn't exactly rosy 
as a as a as a refugee and as a refugee or somebody who's immigrated um they're not handed everything life isn't life just isn't easy and they're in a huge transitional period where they're trying to figure out what their life is like next um so yeah, it could be it could be very interesting as it is but the the, the bikey jesus is is an incredible thing to to be a part of and to be able to share um and then even to expand the community a little bit farther by by involving laser and then your favorite tattoo artist who's uh, tattooing you too yeah now um if i can add a couple of things there um why i transitioned and arrived to bikey jesus uh will i stay actually i will keep on supporting probably uh this coast because it's something really close to my heart uh but i can also change angle and everything but for sure refugees are going to be there but everything started with me uh with the um, the first support to charity donating to um it's called it's called it's called uh watch something uh see watch see watch is the charity that are rescuing physically the yes refugees that are basically dying in the mediterranean i mean i started with them because it's the first step acknowledging that these are a people that are they need to be saved otherwise they're gonna die in the sea i mean as harsh and strong as it can be that's what is gonna happen if nobody rescues them they're gonna die people dying and myself coming from the south of italy Honestly, hon and myself being involved with that uh, quite a lot, but myself coming uh, to the north um, in the south of Italy, I remember since I was a kid, a lot of refugees coming and how is uh, how was their situation there. Then actually, I was um, growing up, going for example to Rome, and there we were supporting refugees to um, uh, learn the language. So we were really rescuing them and actually taking them out for the complex situation uh, where they were living. And the third thing, when I moved to Berlin, I was really going to the refugee houses in order to help them, in order to get the paper to stay in the country, to stay in Berlin. Um, so for me, refugees is super important. And I decided to go to, um, to Sea Watch for this reason, because it's the first step. But I actually understood that for normal people like you and I, it's so com never faced these problematics in life, probably never talk with the refugee ourselves. It's so complex saying why you're giving money to those people to be rescued because the classic thing that they say and it's super bad and I actually it hurts to me repeating this why don't they stay at their, li their daily life why they move here to Europe and then I said okay probably start starting explaining them that they don't even know the refugees uh, that they don't even have the possibility of doing something that for us is normal right riding the bike that's why they don't stay in their place. And that's why I went to something a bit smaller, a bit more um, specific for the country and for a specific need, riding the bike, in order to start telling the story. I started with Sea Watch, and I was super proud of giving um, some good donations to them. But then I preferred to move to other projects that are a bit smaller. And then probably next time it's going to be even smaller, or at least more uh, touchable, really in touch, really physical there. And let's see actually what uh, what is going to happen. But that's the thing that probably us, we can do. Talking about daily things and uh, in order for people to understand why refugees cannot really do anything and why they're living and fleeing from their countries. 
And just for that sake, um, so you did say you a couple of months ago you did a podcast with him. You did you did a talk with with people from um, from Bikey G's. Um, did you get to talk to some of the refugees? Did you get did they get to share some of their experience around learning to ride a bike and what it meant to them as adults? Uh, I didn't actually and this is a good point i could actually work a bit harder for the, um, because of that and that's a good angle actually on things thanks a lot uh for for the ads up uh the, th the only thing that actually uh, got me closer to that was asking to uh, the people at bikey g's if they have any experience so what do they feel what's the anecdotes coming from that and everybody i mean and probably the most powerful story uh that came out out of this conversation was when i when actually Katarina, uh, she said, the coolest thing is seeing people that one year ago, two years ago, were, um, how do you say, teachers? So basically, they were the one being trained for riding bikes, coming back to us and teaching to other people riding bikes because it was a change in their life. Just in learning how to ride the bike was super powerful for their life. And then now they want to teach to somebody else how to improve their life. And uh, this is probably the most powerful thing uh, that came out from these interviews. Yeah, you can you can see that. Um, and, so, and so that podcast is available so people can can go and listen to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, probably, cool. I don't know, if you, I don't got to place it here in the description below, I'm going to probably, you're going to find it two episodes ago. It's quite fresh. It was a uh, end of October, I think. Cool. Good, good. Probably, maybe, of all the topics that you've covered, or all the anecdotes that you've, you've talked about today, that one could be the most important. Um, so, I'm going to circle back a little bit to the beginning of your story. Yep. And broom wagons, and Beck's beer, terrible beer, and non-alcoholic beers. Because, um, in, in much the same way as when you started um, uh, Spin Cake, you never would have said, hey, I'll, I'll be going and doing broom wagon, and it's going to go and go and do an X, Y, and Z. Um, actually, interestingly, segue in that, it's quite interesting to... That you've had such a connection with refugees and uh, even when you're in rome you're trying to help them understand and learn um italian because that's when you said well, in berlin with your friend starting that for first podcast it was to try and make things simple so people could mm -hmm. listen along and understand if they were learning italian so it's it's very that aspect of it's that's that's been a continuing continuing part of your life for a long time um but the the beer so Started room wagon, you never would have thought you would have ended up uh, where you are. Um, do you think Beck's beer, and you say it's terrible, do you think that's what maybe made you look at non-alcoholic beers? Because here you are now and you've started a non-alcoholic beer brand. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question. So I would say that actually is the opposite. <laughs> so I would say that if I've always had um, terrible regular beer, then I would not have a problem of drinking another one. Because, I mean, I'm talking about the classic big brands, beers, commercial beer that you can buy at supermarket. That's so terrible. You don't want to have 
the same beer or that not so good beer, commercial beer every day. You want to have a different beer and a tasty beer every day when it's fresh, good and craft, right? So I would say that actually if I would have had only drink commercial beer, probably alcohol-free beer would have never been something in my life because you don't want to have a beer. This beer is not good already. The alcoholic beer is not good already. Do you want to have something commercial, non-alcoholic? There is no... If I, I mean, why drink not super flavored drinks if they don't get you high? You know what I mean? But actually, at a certain point in my life, I got hit also thanks to my daily job um, by actually the craft community. So the craft beer community, beer that is always super fresh, full of flavors, experimental, that uses one of the approaches that is the, probably the biggest approach that they have in life, that is the why not approach. Can we do beers with, uh, I don't know, something like um, lime? Yes, you can. With milk? Yes, you can. With whatever? Yes, you can. They are doing this. They are brewing beers with everything. And... Um, no. Yeah, 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 with everything. I mean, and it's good, it's brewed. I mean, of course, there are tastes that you like, tastes that you don't like, but every time you know that you're getting good beer and then you get actually the category of craft beer that you like the most and you drink it. So I found myself really exposed to this kind of word and I was drinking really a new beer or a tasty beer every day. It became too much, really too much. You are not sharp, even just one. You are not sharp at the same way and uh, yeah, that's what I felt at least. So I thought... Maybe there is a way of getting the same taste of good beer, but without the side effect of being smashed or being not super sharp every night because you're drinking a beer. Scouting around, we understood that there is a way and there are super tasty, good, um, alcohol-free beers around the world. And, and I don't shy out of that. Uh, many of them in Europe are brewed and produced by one single producer. They are called contract brewers. Basically, you go there with the recipe and they build up, of course, with all their knowledge and all their ingredients and everything, they build up a beer for you with a flavor that you want. And that's actually what happened. And... Uh, Myself and my uh, co-founder partner, we went to these people, we went with our idea and with our idea of recipes, they um, made it better, let's say, improved, and it came out actually with the first beer uh, that is there, and it's called Zier, is the name of the brand, Zipa is the, call, is the name of the first IPA non-alcoholic, and I really love that. And then now another one is in the go and uh, we are trying to build up the community, but I have a bit of the community, sorry, to build up actually the brand and everything. But there as well is everything about the community. The community of craft brewers is just amazing. And you understand that we have a lot of things in common because cyclists, like especially the cyclists like me and I, uh, you and I, um, we are people that we like uh, explore new things, live our life, make things better, make things easy, and do something that we like, right? Craft beer community is exactly the same. They go through uh, their processes, improve things by themselves, talk with other people. Uh, this, there is this thing in the craft beer community, it's called collab brewing. Basically, you and I, you have, uh, we have two different breweries. I call you, like, uh, you know what, Yuan, I know that you are doing a super good, pff, whatever, stout. 
I would love to do the first stout by myself. Can I come to you and you are teaching me how you do with stout and then we put another different uh, sparkle on it and then it's going to be a collaboration of Stefano and Yuan uh, Brewers. Uh, Stefano and Brewer Brewers, yes. And they do this thing regularly. So the network of craft brewery, breweries around the world, it's super connected just to do things differently. And that's exactly the thing that we do with bikes, right? We like to do in other places, discover new things, and then you like to guest people at your place to show them your backyard. And that's exactly the same thing. So we are trying to get this spirit into the alcohol-free beer. Uh, I mean, I hope actually, uh, I'm not going to go too far by saying making this cool, because if you go to countries like, they are super, I mean, super evolved country and developed country that they say, like, you know, in Belgium, in the Netherlands, in UK, where people drink alcohol-free beer and they don't care, they just like the beer. But there are also other countries, like the one where I come from, uh, not where I live, fortunately here is a bit more developed uh, on the beer side. But you go to Italy, you ask for an alcohol-free beer, they say, no, 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 why should I drink a beer if it's not there is no alcohol inside because it's tasty. So we would like to put this coolness also in these other places. And uh, yeah, of course, tie things up also with the bicycle community, with the outdoor community. That's why we are trying to be, because I mean, as a cyclist, you would love to have something like a beer midday, but still being, as I was saying, sharp and uh, riding your bike and actually without the downsides of things. Uh, maybe drink one uh, more, I mean, a couple more than just one, uh, but still having the taste and having a beer. And uh, we're trying actually to link things up also with this community. We are supporting some uh, uh, trail running event, bicycle events, super cool brands, bicycle shop. Is everything limited now in Switzerland? But let's see what the future is going to say. Ah, and another thing that I would try to actually include, we try to include in that, is the street culture. I got to know that most of my generation, we love hip hop, um, graffiti style and uh, music and street style and uh, Vans shoes or whatever. And that's exactly the style of our design. I'm looking to show you. I don't know if I sh ever showed you. This is our can. So you can see the street style coming together, right? Poppy colors, mm -hmm. uh, graffiti style. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, in... Uh, a public enemy kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, clip or song, yes, when I have this kind in mind. And uh, of course, we are putting together also everything that is related to uh, the environment um, and uh, by using cans that are a bit more sustainable um, and all these kind of things. Plus, we donate a part of our, how would you say, revenues. Uh, to an association called POW, Protect Our Winter, because we believe that beer outside is, are better than beer at home. And we can see here in Switzerland that glaciers and the landscapes are changing because of global warming. So we want to support that as well, because we want to continue to ride our bikes outside for longer. That was a lot. That was... A Brilliant. Yeah. A lot of, um, as usual, a lot of things. I mean, I cannot really focus only on one thing. I wanted an alcohol-free beer because it's tastier than the other commercial alcohol-free beer. That's one topic. But then community mm -hmm. needs to be there. Approach needs to be there. Environment and sustainability needs to be there. Yeah. And it is, um, those, it, it, it's, it's, 
addressing the various different communities that you're a part of that, that are important to you and trying to wrap up um, the values of each of those for you Absolutely. within within a can, yeah. which is terrific. Um, so we're quarter after 11. Um, so <laughs> yeah. let's one more question. Go ahead. And we can gem. So um, you have got you've got the broom wagon podcast you've got a day job you've got a family you've got um you've got a beer company um you probably like to sleep i'm not a good sleeper but i love some hours of sleep yeah <laughs> yeah i there's a part of me that thinks you probably slept in 2015 <laughs> and that's about it kind of give or take yeah probably yeah. 2013 yeah it was the last time we slept <laughs> um so there's a there's a whole host of a lot of things that you you're doing today which we've we've all just covered um in the next couple of years so if you can kind of contain an idea because you're really good at like a seed germinates and grows and each of your seeds now has multiple things attached to it um what in the next couple of years would you really like to kind of see being the thing that you're you you're at the forefront what's what would what would be your identity um in three to four years uh i will start probably with something and then we develop on that um one month ago two months ago before i was super struggling uh because the thing that i liked the most in my i mean uh, let's say working wise the most in my life was suffering and i'm talking about this podcast and i went because i couldn't record things i didn't have time i had a lot going on and probably I didn't find the sparkle of curiosity and excitement on what I was doing. And I thought, because of several reasons, uh, ping me up, I'm going to actually tell you a couple of hip cups, because they're always hip cups, even in the things that you like the most. Um, and I was really intensively thinking, I'm going to make this podcasting fade away not record anymore, not publishing anything anymore. At the end of, uh, in in one year, the subscription for the host, uh, for the place where I'm hosting my podcast is going to expire. I'm not going to renew it. And everything is going to disappear, fade away. That's what I thought, because I cannot keep up. Um, and I don't have really the sparkles, as I was saying, of creativity to keep on. And it was really a dark place. I have to be completely sincere because I love doing this, these things. I love doing what I'm doing. Um, but this suffered quite a lot. And uh, Because at the end of the day, as you were saying, you have 24 hours and in these 24 hours, sleeping a few hours is always good and you cannot fit everything in. Uh, fortunately, this... Sorry, can I interrupt? Yeah. Can I ask you, when was the last time you actually slept eight hours in a day? I don't know. I don't know. No, no, I was never a good sleeper. I have to be completely sincere. Um, never, never a good sleeper. And actually, I have um, a, a way of saying this all the time. I don't sleep. I pass out. 
Basically, as soon as <laughs> a certain point I'm tired, you can see me sleeping everywhere. It could be on the sofa, could be in bed, hopefully. Uh, not super often, I would say two, three times a week uh, in bed. Um, really passing out. And then as soon as it's morning, that when you need to start doing things, I wake up and I forget about whatever it means being tired. And then I pack my day with preparing Camillo, bringing to the, the daycare, coming back home, working, um, thinking about my side projects as well, but usually this doesn't come uh, so much uh, in the morning. Uh, then I have my training in midday, starting again, finishing my day work, start thinking about my side projects, organizing interview, making interviews, um, editing podcasts. Editing podcasts usually happens in the night. Um, pick up Camillo, uh, stay together with my family, everybody goes to sleep, editing my podcast and I'll see cold email in order to sell um, to sell my beers one day a week. It's actually dedicated to sell beers, go around, let people try it, talk with people, talk with the community. Saturday and Sunday, try to ride bikes, but not always happens, but being outdoor with my son. So really it happens that one o'clock, two o'clock, I pass out. It happened a couple of times that I was on the sofa editing my podcast and Marcia, my wife, came back in the morning because she was going to the toilet or whatever, four o'clock in the morning. And she saw me really like this with my head falling around and with my hands on the computer. And she was telling me, what are you doing? I'm editing the podcast. Not you are sleeping. It's four o'clock in the morning. Come to bed. So it, I pass out. I don't sleep. I pass out. <laughs> but back to your initial question. So I was really suffering and thinking, okay, probably I need to let it be. There are too many things in my life. And uh, the podcast being still big part of my identity is the thing that gives me um, physically, really, uh, tangibly, uh, concretely less. Because also there, to be completely sincere, I don't get so much money. I don't get money at all for this podcast. Uh, but it gives me a lot of motivation of doing things, right? So I thought, yeah, but still, I mean, that's something that even if I let it go, I will not really concretely feel the difference. But then I made another interview. Out of nowhere, a person that just contacted me and said, oh, why don't we record an episode? I really like your podcast. Blah, blah. I made the interview and I felt like that's the reason why I don't want to leave this podcast fade away. Because I get excited on talking to people about topics that are so different from my daily life. And that's what I want to keep. It's not because this podcast can bring me again to a bikepacking event, to the other side of the world, whatever. But just because this podcast, even just conversations on the computer, like the one that we are having today, gives me motivation and satisfaction. I put back everything into place. I talk with, my, with Marcia, with my wife. Uh, I talk with some friends. And uh, everybody was telling me, you don't dare putting this podcast away. <laughs> Don't even try. First of all, and this was actually what my people were, when my friends were telling me, because I like the angle of the stories that you're telling me. These are stories that maybe you're interviewing the same people that somebody else does, but in different angles. So it's good to keep it because it's a different voice that you're listening. Uh, we are listening uh, about this word. And then I think that actually Marcia hit the nail on the head by saying, you don't have to do this podcast for other people. You don't have to, even if people like it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love people that are listening to my podcast. You don't have to do this podcast for money. You have to do this podcast for yourself. Because when you are talking to people about topics that you maybe don't know, but you're passionate of, you get 
better. You got a, you become a better person. So I'm still trying to think what to do next year because it's going to be full of events. Uh, I mean, another boy is coming end of January. So it's going to be bigger family with two kids, less time sleeping for sure. Uh, so I need actually to put everything into place. But until the stories are, I mean, until the stories are going to be floating into my stream, I cannot stop them. Stories will become the Broom Wagon, I mean, will become naturally the Broom Wagon podcast. So let's see what's coming on. Uh, and if I can answer a bit more concretely to your um, question, I would love to keep everything, of course. But if I have to choose one thing, is a combination on everything. Because I believe that the podcast and is going to be the pivot, really, the, uh, the pillar of the things. Uh, if the podcast can still be a pillar of everything and can be the connection between my nine to five, for example, uh, with my storytelling. And I can learn things through the podcast that I can easily um, convert and translate into the other content that I'm doing for my wine to five, my wine, my nine to five. And if the alcohol free beer can still be nurturing the same community that they talk with and they speak with for the podcast, this would be the best. Family needs to be there because it's the biggest part of me. So for sure, that's something that needs to grow and uh, I can give the biggest impulse on that and the big, uh, the big push on that. So family should stay there. Um, but I really hope that the next two or three years, uh, this podcast can still be there and can give me the possibility of growing the things that I have already in place and maybe something new because maybe we're going to talk again in a couple of years and then um, the podcast is, uh, I don't know, became something different and maybe uh, now I have two or three co-hosts that can help me out on making things because, I mean, for me, the important thing is talking with people to tell their stories. I don't need to be there all the time. I like to use it as a platform where people can express themselves. Maybe the beer is going to be completely uh, go off track and will become something different. Maybe my nine to five is going to be, I mean, I'm used to change job every two, three years. Like I like to change countries every four or five years. So maybe I'm going to be somewhere else or whatever. But my hope is that solidly my podcast will still be the pillar because the most important thing for me is the community, the stories that they tell. So it's not the podcast, but I can still keep on telling the stories that will make people, I would not say richer, but for sure a bit more complete and uh, confident because they will find somebody that do things in their same way or show people that things can be done differently because we are all unique. Cool. Great. I've got one question out of that. I didn't want to ask another question, but I do want to know uh, based on your answer. So you had said like the podcast, it helps you sparkle. And like, I can, I can totally understand that somebody's doing something that you didn't think of, or they're doing it in a different way that you didn't think of before. And that keeps you very interested in the whole thing. And my question then is, cause you started this podcast without family and here you are doing the podcast now and you still have, or don't you, you still have a family. You have started a family and um, the idea of the sparkle, do you, when you're talking to people, it generates excitement for you 
just to, it, this is an amazing thing. It's 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 incredible what you're doing. Or it's an uh, I didn't think of that. I can do something like that too, or or whatever else. So you might take an idea and think of how it applies to you. But now with your with your son, do you get ex like when you talk to somebody and they tell you a story, do you get excited to kind of get off the podcast and go and tell your son about today, blah, 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 this 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 happened and and stuff? A hundred percent. That's why I try to show to Camillo these stories about cycling that I was telling you. All the stories of people that in one way or the other I got in contact or new people that are out there. I like because in this way it's not only, um, as I was saying, it's just giving him um, the start, the kickoff of him understanding how um, life in general can be difference can be complete can be um i mean uh exciting that's the right word and that's why i show him these things and that's why every time i try to show him things with uh, about people of uh, situation that i was involved or at least uh show i mean there uh kind of in the show even if in a different way um and then these are also the stories that i tell to my son every time i mean it happens from time to time that we are out for a walk or we are in a long uh, bike ride or whatever and as you know me i don't like to shut up and i tell him these kind of stories and uh, for example all the story of the bike egs and whatever it's a story that i'm telling him because he needs to be exposed also of these things in life so talking to him about refugees and talking about how cool it is to go on the bike for him is easy right he is going to grow with a father who loves to go on the bike, bicycle in one way or the other. is going to still be around him. And hopefully, we never know what happens in the future, nobody will deny him the access to a bike. But telling him the story that somebody can deny or people cannot afford having a bike, it's something that I hope is going to actually change him. So yeah, uh, answering to your question... I talk to him pretty often about the things that I record. I talk to him, for example, about um, Josh and uh, his stories and um, uh, everything that he's doing, all the um, endurance, ultra endurance races or bikepacking events that he does. Um, doesn't need to be, honestly, uh, about things that I talk with on my podcast, but just things that I believe stories that can actually be important for my life and for my family life and it's the same thing i actually talk with marcia i talk with her most of the time about what i recorded with whom i talked or to whom i talked with and i will keep on saying these stories and also when i'm outside with friends or whatever and now having the possibility of telling these stories also to my son is the best for two reasons one because he cannot react so much at the end he's, he's still small and he's not gonna say please dad shut up it's gonna happen soon but also on the other side because i think that actually he can be exposed to that and uh, he can learn by it until when he will be able to tell me come on daddy shut up <laughs> maybe maybe or maybe not yeah probably not but that's it's it's the involvement of him and your community like it's it's that's I don't know if there's something about it. It doesn't like you have a responsibility to your son. You have a responsibility to make sure that he's healthy, he's fed, he he's educated and everything. But that inclusion into the biking and sharing the stories and trying to pick out the stories that you think are interesting for him. Um I don't know, that's 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 
that seems to extend beyond responsibility. That just seemed to be you just want to be his friend, and you want to uh, you want to include him in, in what it is that you're doing. Yeah, that's I mean that's super important. I actually I know what my role. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds uh, sounds super super arrogant. I actually don't know what's my role in his life, um, but I know what I want to be now. And for me, um, trying to talk with my son and telling him, uh, telling him about community stories, but just community feelings and just what a community is can be bikes, can be music, can be cars, whatever is m more far away, uh, cryptocurrencies, whatever community, community though that takes that is not selfish community that is a community because selfish community there are some but it's actually on the opposite side right but being having the feeling that a, a community can be there can be there for you even just for telling you a story or just for having you taken care when you are around the world traveling or just be there when it's your birthday and you want to talk with somebody that's the thing that i would love to to show him and to expose him to community uh, being somewhere, because at the end of the day, I don't want to be melodramatic here and said so many things, but at the end of the day, um, my wife, I, and my son, we live far away from our family, right? Because my family lives in the south of Italy, uh, my brother lives in the north of Italy, my Marcia's family lives in the north of Italy, so we are far away. At least you need to travel and move to go there. And the best thing that you can do is finding the same family feeling, doesn't need to be blood-related, but the same family feeling around a community around you. And you can build up this kind of community just if you have a community feeling. And doesn't matter on what. It could be about everything. But still having the values of being part of the community as responsibilities, but as also some good things on that. And that's actually the thing that I will try to, uh, to show to Camilo. I use my tool, and my tool is... Talking, of course, podcasting, and bicycle. Some other people were used to actually share the community feeling with their people and with their families by using also other tools, languages, culture, nationality, whatever. That's why there are um, communities. Uh, in New York, there is a huge um, community of people coming from China, community of people coming from Italy, or they're in Chester, or so whatever. There are different ways. But I use my tools, and I think because the, my um, community, the bicycle community, has a lot of super cool values that I want to share with my son. But then it's going to be on him deciding what community he wants to have and for what values. I will just try to tell him that the community is always good to have. So I'd ask you in a couple of years' time where you wanted to be, and you gave, or what was important to you, and you gave concrete answers around the podcast and the beer and everything that answer that you gave though i think i think that's a much better answer than than anything okay so i think that's actually a great place to yeah. leave it yeah. yeah yeah thanks a lot Yuan. it's uh i mean it sounded like a bit of uh i don't know um how would you say it uh an analysis session i hope i didn't bore anybody but were you engaged on it can't imagine anybody would be bored. <laughs> That's nice. Even if they're going to actually check one hour and 42 of recording. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Yuan, right. thanks, thanks a lot, actually, for, for being part of this podcast. And thanks a lot for pushing me here. So hopefully super soon we're going to also do a couple of new Cody Wampos thing. Can you tell me, and then we're going to close the podcast, what's next for you? 
What are you working on? I don't know. <laughs> don't know, man. That's perfect. Um, yeah. We'll see. I don't know. We shall see. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Yuan. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Don't go away. I'm going to stop the recording and we're going to say goodbye. If you made it until here, well, you are the OG badass for sure. Thanks a lot for listening to all the stories that I actually could drop around. It was super interesting to talk about myself for once. I could have talked forever because Yuan is awesome on listening and also because I like to talk. That's why I have a podcast. No, really, if you want to know more about any of the projects that you heard about or if you just want to say hi, you know that you can come over at Instagram and it's CC or the Broomwagon Podcast. The Broomwagon Podcast. Yes, I would say that's it. Have a great end of the year. Next year is going to come with hopefully some new projects and some new recordings. As you heard from uh, our recording, our podcast there, I'm not really keen on uh, fading this podcast away. I will try to make as much as I can and I will try to develop this platform and this community as much as possible. Give you a huge hug to everybody. Have the best end of the year. All you. And uh, yeah, let's talk soon. Bye-bye.